Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Florida. And today is Monday, the 14th day of December, 2015. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, Bill's Story. We will be reading, we will be starting on page 12, the fifth paragraph. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Nancy T., the 12 Traditions, Janice B., and our text readers are Rachel W., Santa H., and Du L. The reference number for yesterday, Sunday's meeting, is 8267. 8267. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Nancy T. to read the 12 steps for us, please. Nancy T., star one to unmute. Good morning. Can you hear me now? Sure can. All righty. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy T., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Vermont, and I belong here with all of you. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, 
continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Nancy T. I will now ask Janice B. to read the 12 traditions. Thank you. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision, for you. This is Janice B. in Vermont, compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should forever remain non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Janice. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, Bill's Story. We are on page 12. We are going to be begin reading with the fifth paragraph 
on page 12 and going on into the first paragraph on page 13. And the, con uh, the first paragraph is for context only. And comments, please, on the second paragraph. And Rachel W., would you read for us, please? Good morning, Monica. This is Rachel W., Recovered Compulsive Reader, calling from New York. Thus was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. At long last, I saw, I felt, I believed. Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. The real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me. For a brief moment, I admitted and wanted God. There had been the humble and willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And so it had been ever since. How blind I had been. So again, this is uh, Rachel Delby recovered compulsive word column from New York. And um, I, um, you know, just thinking about this, uh, this paragraph, I'm just setting my timer here. Um, just, you know, the idea that there is a God, you know, I, I grew up, um, I, I think I was born spiritual. And I was definitely born into an extremely spiritual religion that encourages searching for God, and it's mystical, and, and God is masculine and feminine, and it's all out there. Um, but for me, um, you know, it, it's like Bill W. says in the 12 and 12, you know, that, that God created the world with the, the way it, it is, is that there's instincts that are off the beam and off balance. And my sense of self um, became the issue. And it's, it's like when he's saying there will be clamors that were within, him, within himself. I had the same experience. And I remember coming out of the relapse, the moment that I came out, it was almost a physical sensation when I was having a conversation with someone and I realized for the first time that, you know, that it, the trick of this disease was just, it, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's just a trick. It's, it's, it's something within me that I'm telling myself um, that, you know, that it, it's a, the disease wants me dead. That's really what it is. And all these negative messages, the negativity, the negative about God, the negative about the world, you know, all of that was a sham. And I came to realize that, you know, if I truly believe that God created everything, then he also created these misaligned instincts that it's my job to realign them. And so when I came into program, that's what, that's what, I, that's what the steps give me, is this um, system of, of, of consistently realigning myself back into a position where I can be, um, having such a powerful relationship with my creator, with my higher power. And, um, you know, yesterday was the presentation was so beautifully done with about regarding the 10th step. Um, I find that very often, you know, my step two is not stagnant. It's like very often when I do a 10th step and if it's big enough and if it's core issues, um, I need to go back to my step two and I need to redefine whether my higher power truly has the attributes that I need to get through my life because, my program today is all about enlarging my spiritual base. It's not only living in 10, 11, and 12, but sometimes it's actually going back and redefining my higher power and going back and, 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 and um, reviewing whether my higher power has the attributes I need to get through a particular situation. So it's that constant stretch and um, the feeling of how blind I had been. Um, thank God I'm not there anymore as a direct result of this program and of this fellowship. And I, I thank everyone for being on the line today, and I thank you for wanting me to share my path. Thank you, Rachel W. And who would like to share? Gina S. Kim G. Kim G. Gina, Gina S. Kim. Kim G. 
Monica. Was it Carol? Yes, Monica. Mary Kay. Larry. Larry Kay. Okay. Um, I think the first one was Gina S. Actually, Tina S. No. Tina S. from Florida. It was Tina. Oh, hi, Tina. Okay. Tina. Okay, this is what I've got, everybody. Tina S., Kim G., Carol G., Mary K., Larry K. Let's start with that. Tina, you're up, and then it'll be Kim. Can't hear you, Tina. Star one to unmute, please. Can you hear me now? No, I can. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Thanks. Sorry about that. Um, well, you know, with some great readings or some great paragraphs, I should and it just reminds me of, you know, how grateful I am today as I uh, reread this stuff that it reminds me of that it talks about, and I'm um, not sure what page it is, but that, you know, God does not make too hard terms for those who seek him. And uh, when I remember that, man, I'm in a good space. But uh, a lot of times I, I don't remember that. You know, the good news is that I have a network that reminds me. And also, you know, someplace in the big book, it talks about that, you know, deep down within every man, woman, and child is the fundamental, fundamental idea of God. But that's the last analysis where we look. You know, it's the last analysis. You know, I don't go there first. Well, you know, there's not the truth today. Sometimes I do. But more often, I, you, know, it's, you know, I'm trying all this other stuff first. But, you know, I know today, you know, one day at a time, if I don't pick up that fight, if I don't pick up that compulsive behavior, that I have a shot of a power greater than myself to live this recovery, I, you know, in a, in a way that's beyond you know, my wildest dreams. Uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Kim G., you're up. And then it'll be Carol. Good morning. Oops. Oh, I just set myself for 40 minutes. Let me try one. <laughs> um, Oh, my goodness. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Um, for a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God, but soon the presence, his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. You know, as I read this, I'm reminded, you know, I think it's been, you know, a month and a half now since the Vision for You convention, and I got so many phone calls when we first got back, that I had a spiritual awakening at, at the retreat. I had a spiritual awakening. I struck out and I got a spiritual awakening. And I tried to lovingly caution people, listen, that's not a spiritual awakening. That's a spiritual awareness. You're feeling the power of the fellowship. A spiritual awakening is as the result of the steps. And now I'm getting a lot of phone calls saying, I don't believe it. I was so charged up at the retreat, and I'm plumbing in the disease. I'm in the throes of the disease right now. And I've asked them, well, what did you do after the retreat? You know, did you get a sponsor? Did you start working these steps? What actions were you taking? And a lot of people were hoping to live off of the experience of the retreat. So there it is. And for a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. I had wanted that power. That's what step two is about. Step two is not about a belief in God. Step two is about a belief that you know you're powerless in step one, and in step two you realize you need that power. And believe me, if that was enough, then we wouldn't need steps three through 12. 
All step two is the conclusion that we need that power. We need to make a decision in step three to seek that power, and it's by the action steps of four through 12 that we get access to that power. And what's going to block us? And Tina talked about, it was actually page 55 she was talking about, where we find God deep down inside of us. But it warns us. It says that power may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things. So what's calamity? Calamity is think about all the conversations you have in your head, what your life and all that, how, how difficult life is because of those conversations in your head. And your pomp is your arrogance, your prejudices against higher power, against the 12 steps, against how life should have been for you, and worship of other things. Are we worshiping a relationship, money, power, prestige? So how do we get from this place where we needed and wanted a power to having access to that power? At the bottom of 55, it says, with this attitude, we cannot fail. And what is that attitude? That attitude is that we have to sweep away prejudice, we have to think honestly, and we have to search diligently within ourselves. So the meaning in wanting God, being inspired by a vision for your retreat, or being inspired by listening to vision for you, is not enough in order to have this spiritual awakening. We need to get down to, to brass taxes. We have to do the work. So once again, I'm sorry, I'm going over my three minutes. For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God, but soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Carol G., you're up. And then it'll be Mary Kay. Thank you, Monica. Um, can you just clarify me? We did read about at the hospital, didn't we? No, that'll be the next one. Okay, I'll pass. I'll wait. Sorry, my uh, intuition gave me something about something else. Thank you. Okay, we'll see you later. All right, Mary Kay, you're up, and then it'll be Larry. Uh, good morning. This is Mary Kay, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from upstate New York. Thank you, God, and thank you, Monica, for your service and everyone on the line. Um, I'm happy to, to be here in this, this paragraph this morning, um, emphasizing those words of there had been a brief time of wanting and uh, that I wanted God, and actually I had that that wanting not related to my 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 disease, but I had that wanting as as a a teen, as a youth, and and what I learned then, and and for a brief moment, because um, I knew I needed and wanted God in my life then, um, that. I could see him actively in my life, and that world happened, uh, and clamors, and and mostly myself. And in my notes there, I've written self will run riot, and but I also know that the God of my understanding, that once you choose Him, you never lose Him, and He keeps showing Himself to me. But we just I didn't see Him. Um, because I was so into myself and I was so going to fix things myself and I was so going to manage my life. Um, and, and, and I had to go through years and years of learning and, and pain. Um, I had to hit the bottom with the disease because my disease was very progressive. But he never left me. And, and even just this morning, or within the last 24 hours, folks, I've got to tell you, this is the kind of spiritual experience that I, thank you, God, have regularly 
I want to make an amends in my ninth step process um, Friday, and I didn't know where the person was anymore, but I knew I could find his sister. I found his sister, and she wasn't there, so I left a note. And she called me back and told me that he died with a massive heart attack um, five years ago. And God immediately said, but you can still make amends, Mary Kay. Spend time with his sister. Spend time with his sister. And she's paralyzed from the waist down. So today I'm going to have tea with Renee. And that's the kind of spiritual awakening and spiritual experience I've had when I'm working the steps is I know that I'm attuned and, and he does talk to me all the time. And I'm so grateful to be in these rooms and I'm so grateful to have put down my trigger foods and 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 the, the healthy body weight is the will happen. I'm on that road. Um but I'm recovered now because I'm walking in the spirit. Thank you very much and I pass. Thank you, Mary Kay. Larry Kay, you're up. Thanks, Monica, for your service. Larry Kay, uh recovered compulsive reader. You know, I'm going to focus on how blind I had been. You know, I, I, I have to give uh, God a chance to work his miracle in my life. And, and here we see Bill, you know, he's, he's transitioning from a state of disbelief to, you know, to the possibility of belief in a power greater than himself. And, you know, and talking about the word transition, because I think it's so critical to our recovery, transition in Bill's case is used as a verb. You know, um, Bill is transitioning from one state of mind to the possibility of another state of mind. And anyone who experiences this, you know, this thing we call recovery must undergo a process of, of transition, of, you know, an alteration or a metamorphosis of the mind. You know, in other words, regardless of your personal conception of a power greater than yourself, you know, we, we begin to experience a shift in, you know, in our conception of the purpose and the, the availability and the potential and the magnitude of that power. And that's what I had had experienced. And my old conception of this power was distant and disconnected and unconcerned and impersonal, you know. And, and I didn't think my way into a new conception of a higher power. My personal transition began to happen once I was out of ideas to solve the problem myself. So once I was convinced to take these these prescribed actions, you know, yet full of the uncertainty and the doubt about the outcome of it all. Yes, scales of pride and prejudice, they slowly began to fall and a new conception, a new faith came into focus because it's, it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. And if, if you consider this, the actions that we take leave a residue sort of inside of us. Every time we act, we kind of amplify that, that underlying idea or that tendency behind it, and our traits and attitudes follow our behavior. So, you know, for me, I had to ask, you know, am I going to act, you know, in a self-enhancing way today or in a self-deprecating way? Because I always, you know, acted in a self-deprecating way. And for me, what I found is, is that over time, my new God consciousness began to fit like a glove, it, and it didn't happen overnight. But this, you know, this, of course, took time. This trust in a God-centered consciousness versus a self-centered consciousness happened for me, not by thinking my way. I can think a lot of things, but by acting. When I just 
took, you know, took the actions despite the uncertainty, even the realization in my own mind, my own perception that they wouldn't work. I nonetheless had to take those actions and then God moved in, this higher power moved in and my thinking began to change. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Who else would like to share on this before we move on? Marcella. Renata. Marcella, Renata, I think there was somebody else. Reva P. Reva P. And it was somebody else. Mary B. Amy G. Oh, Mary. Rakafet. No, there's somebody else. Okay, I got Marcella, Renata, Reva P., Mary B., Rakafet. This and is Raquel. Is Raquel. Sarah W. Sarah W. Okay. All right. Marcella, you're up, and then it'll be Renata. Morning, family. This is Marcella, recovered composer of a year. Oh, what a pleasure to be with you live. Um, so the, the scales of pride and prejudice. I read in the grapevine in AA that um, there was a very popular um, play, um, theater play, in exhibition at that time where the book paper was published and it was um, Pride and Prejudice, which is a story of a, it's a love story of um, a woman who belongs to a higher socioeconomical status and this guy who was poorer than her that falls in love with her, but the Pride and Prejudice, right? Like, how am I going to be with somebody that doesn't belong to my class? Um, but then, of course, they spend some time together alone and and, uh, and the scales of pride and prejudice fall, and they fall in love. So that's what happens when I spend time with God. Um, and the way that I spend time with God, according to what brings us together, is just listening to you, listening to you with the same reverence and the same um, respect and the same uh, hunger and need um, that I approach a house of worship. Um, that's that's I mean it doesn't it doesn't kill the practical exercise of sitting alone invoking the presence of God, but um just the exercise of being together with you and listening to you that 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 does the trick now the scouts of pride and prejudice um the way that I see it, they keep coming back every time that I get a new resentment, they keep coming back, and I feel resentful because I'm blind. That's what I'm resentful because I fail to see something that will um, bring me back to the sunlight of the spirit. And so you, you are my extra pair of eyes. You are my extra set of um, neurons. You are the way that I can think a way uh, back into um, in, in a, a train of thought that will lead me out of my nightmare of my little teeny, you know, ridiculous um, uh, resentment that will trigger my addiction and will bring me back to full. Um, I do had a wonderful, incredible experience at the convention. Um, I was feeling greedy before I get there. Before I got there, I said, oh, my God, this is going to last just too few. I, I was dreading the end of it. And, um, and I took a five-hour walk on the beach with a, a fellow traveler, and, and she's, still, she's still abstinent, and we're, that's, that's our thing. I said, let's take a walk on the beach, girlfriend. Let's take a walk on the beach to be with God and to be with the fellowship. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm still in that convention with you right here, right now, until God will bring us together again. Well, that us. Thank you, Marcella. Renata, you're up, and then it'll be Reva P. 
Thank you, Monica, for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. I'm going to pick some words here on this paragraph. Um, you know, I really relate to Bill here. I had needed and wanted God, and he came. You know, when I came to this program, I had a higher power, and I could not doubt the power of God in my life. You know, uh, God had done miracles for me, but I couldn't stop eating, and I couldn't understand why. And, you know, like Bill says here, it says, you know, but soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself, and so it had been ever since. How blind I had been. You know, there were many worldly clamors that blocked me from my higher power, and uh, I had no idea. You know, uh, first one of them, of course, the food. You know, until I learned that I had a knowledge of the body and I had to be, you know, abstinent to work the steps. I mean, nothing could be done. There was like a huge, huge, huge blockage between my higher power and I with the amount of food that I was ingesting. And also, you know, all my fears and resentments and shame and guilt for all the harm I've caused people throughout, you know, a life in disease. And so, you know, when I came to this program, I had to really surrender that nothing else I tried worked. So maybe, you know, this spiritual solution that was being offered to me, this idea that, you know, I am blocked spiritually and that I needed to work the steps to clear away, you know, the passage to have access to the power that I sold, that I needed so much, you know, um, I, you know, I had to, to be convinced of that. I had to give it a try. And, you know, once I did, it worked. You know, uh, for me, it's the only thing that has really worked in giving me freedom from, from this disease. And so, you know, but, um, you know, I had to, like the, what the steps did for me was remove all the debris, all those things that were inside of me that were blocking me. And so now the channel could be open for this new power to, to work, you know. And like it was shared before, in step two, I don't need to define God. I don't need to figure it out. None of that. I just need to admit that I need that power and then embark on the rest of the steps and give it a chance to work in my life. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata G. Reva P., you're up, and then it'll be Mary B. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater back in Toronto. Thank you, God. Um, the fact that Bill is writing this paragraph in retrospect um, reminds me that he's seeing now the real significance of what happened to him in the cathedral and what I'm reading into this is that he's realizing that we need to go beyond needing and wanting God so that, as has already been shared, I don't just have a spiritual awareness, but I have a spiritual awakening and that there are more steps involved, I think he's seeing, because he sees how quickly he gets uh, blocked by the clamors within himself. And I so relate to... Um, 
that blockage. And I remember when I first came into program, I was feeling, you know, resentful like, God, where were you when this happened and that happened? And did God abandon me? And by learning about the the step work, I realized God never abandoned me. I was just blocked. He was there or she was there the whole time. But I couldn't access the power because I was just blocked with resentment, anger, lots of anger, and then underneath tons and tons of fear. Um, and this also reminds me that on a daily basis, I can't just wake up in the morning and say I need and want God and do a little prayer and think I'm done. I need to do the work um, every single day. I need to do the same thing over and over because my battery runs out after 24 hours. Um, and the only way to match calamity outside and mostly inside my busy, busy head and to get serenity is to do the work and get myself and get all the gook in my head out of the way. Um, and I'm so grateful that I get to live like that. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Mary B., you're up, and then it'll be Rakefit. Yes, thank you, Monica. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, great. Thank you. This is Mary B. Gratefully recovered from Central California, currently in Southwest Arizona. And reading and hearing all about Bill W.'s rapid spiritual awakening, I've been going back over my 53 years of crawling through my spiritual awakening, starting with coming into my first meeting with that fearful, punishing God that would never do in working this program. And the first thing that I had to do was change my concept of God. And I, when I was able to get into my thoughts that God is love and God is good, then I could accept a higher power. The next thing I had to do was learn to trust that loving higher power. And that's what took a really long time for me. I was um, at a time in my life where I was a single mother of three teenage boys. I had gone back to work. I had jobs. I was dating. I was maintaining a home. None of these things I knew how to do. And so I, I started to compartmentalize my life. I would turn something over to God. and Another part of it I felt I had to continue to manage. It just wasn't going to come out right if I didn't get in there and manage it. And starting to work, I turn my will and my life over to the care of God. What did that mean? I had to ask myself, what does that mean if I turn my will and my life over to the care of God? What does that leave me to manage? And, of course, the answer to that question was always nothing. And little by little and gradually, I have learned to turn my entire will, my entire life over to the care of a loving, caring, always there, higher power. And that's it. Uh, with that, I um, 
I will close. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you, Mary B. Rakafet, you're up, and then it'll be Amy G. Thank you, Monica. This is Rakafet Z from California, recovered compulsive overeater. So I came into program 17 years ago, and most of that time, most of, or near all that time, I, I was not recovered. I was struggling. I was getting abstinent at times, but I couldn't stay abstinent for long, and I certainly didn't have any kind of spiritual experience. And every time I would read this part of the big book, I would think to myself, well, that's never going to happen for me. You know, I have no chance. I'm never going to have a white guy experience, a spiritual awakening. No. So what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And um, But over the years, I did get closer because I really did want God. The line where he said, you know, every in every man, woman, and child, there is a there is a need for God, a yearning for God. I really started feeling that more and more as the years went by. And then I started looking back at my life, and I thought that I would see in my life how many spiritual ex- experiences I had, little spiritual experiences, because God had blessed me. And I could go back and point them out and say, wow, this happened, and I wasn't expecting it, and... You know, I could have gotten really badly hurt here, but I didn't. And all these little spiritual experiences I could look back on. And also I started looking for more spiritual experience. Every day in my life I started looking for spiritual experiences. And I found them. And with the culmination of all that, all those spiritual experiences, they add up to a spiritual awakening. And I can keep going. The idea of a, a spiritual awakening is that I can keep going. I can keep going. I can look for more and more spiritual experiences. And I know I know the presence of God now, and it is wonderful. It is so much what I needed, and I'm very, very grateful. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Rakafit. Amy G., you're up, and that'll be Raquel. Did you say Amy G.? I did. Oh, sorry, Monica. Hi, my name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Thank you so much, and thank you for everyone who shared. It's been an awesome meeting. You know, what, what has occurred here? I mean, basically, we Bill stood, in my humble opinion, stood on the threshold of step two and, you know, became willing. And when we look at the AA step 12, uh, AA 12 and 12, step two, I mean, what do they say are the prerequisites of step two, coming to believe? And it's true humility and an open mind. And and I relate to that. I relate to where Bill was and where he stood at the turning point and asked for, you know, for, for help. And, you know, Eddie presents himself, he presents this program, and then he comes up against this spiritual block. And then true humility and an open mind takes the place of what it was that he believed before. Because beaten and pummeled by this disease, I don't know about you all, but beaten and pummeled by this disease, I humbly admitted my powerlessness and my inability to fight putting the food in my mouth and putting those binge foods in my mouth. I knew I was powerless. Bill knew he was powerless. That true humility at a gut level. And it it beat me into a sense of reasonableness to the point that I was willing to be open-minded about this higher power business. You know, they say the how of the program or the who of the program, willingness, honesty, and an open mind. And at that point, beaten by this disease, I had an open mind to believe 
Bill and I, we stood at the turning point. We stand at the threshold. Are we even willing to believe? And come to find out for me, a firmly entrenched agnostic, all I needed was an open mind and willingness. All I needed was that willingness to take the next step into the next action, into the willingness to work this program like my life depended on it, and to be willing to take instruction from those who have gone before that would lead me through the path of the step. And that was what that action meant for me, to be willing to choose to surrender. And on that, on that humility, on that true humility, and on that open-mindedness, I was able to step forward into this program and step forward into at least willingness to believe. And when I was willing to believe, I was willing to take action. And when I was willing to take action, I was willing to move forward and be separated from my binge foods and progress through these steps. I worked a program like my life depended upon it. It talks about it on page 59 and how it works. We stand at the turning point and we ask for care with complete abandon. I was willing to ask for somebody's help with complete abandon because I certainly know that I could not do it of my own. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks for fitting me in. Thank you, Amy G. Raquel, you're up. And then it'll be Sarah W. Hello. Hi, dear Monica. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead, Raquel. Hi, Monica, and thank you for your service, and thank you all, my dear, sweet friends, family on the line. All I wanted to do is just to hug you all and to thank you for being there. I, I have a very lively imagination, and in my imagination, we are all standing there, all the people who are at the convention, we're making one huge circle on the beach and helping each other wherever we are. In my stage now, I'm going through something difficult, so I, I feel like the devil is dancing around me and stepping on my feet. He's not going to pull me back there with all of you there having my back, but some difficult things. And it's standing at, at this second step proposition, what in AA they call the second step proposition, is either everything or nothing. Either I give him everything with claw marks on it, or I'm still hanging on to, you know, I need to solve this problem by myself. Something not even being my problem, just feeling being called upon to help somebody from another country who who is here and, and is at a loss to, to what to do, to continue employment, going back to a country. And I identify so deeply because I was away from my country for a long time, and so many good people came to my aid, and I feel I need to do this, but I don't exactly have the strength to do it. I need God, and I need all of you. And this is the heart of it all. You know, every time that we come to this where Bill is really realizing the powerlessness, the deep powerlessness. I, I love everything that was said. It's the need. It's not yet giving it to him, but just realizing that it's there's no third door. It's either the disease or the taking that chance. It's like, like jumping head on without the rope. But this is what we are call, I'm called upon to, to be doing, and with all of you, 
and God, with God's help and God's help through you, I think we'll, you know, this one also have, will have a good, good result. Thank you so much for being there. I love you all. Have a good, abstinent life, good, recovering life. Bill says in one of his articles that we all have this spiritual awakening. His was condensed, and ours is strung out sometimes through months and sometimes through years. But we come to the same place, and may we all be at that good place where God is all. Thank you so much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Raquel. Sarah W., you're up. Good morning, Monica. This is Sarah W. Thank you so much for your service. A grateful recovered compulsive reader. Um, I wanted to um, focus in on um, the word humble. Um, humble is used many times in the big book. Uh, humility is used. And um, for me, uh, when he says there had been a humble willingness to have him with me, um, in the dictionary, um, the concordance, it says, not showing or feeling superiority towards others, modest or being aware of one's shortcoming. And of course, that reminds me of the seventh step, which is really what humility you know, is the focus of, or the principle is humility. And I guess for me, you know, we hear so many times that it, um, you know, where people with inferiority complexes that have huge egos, which is, you know, very true of me. Um, And at the same time, um, when I really see the word humble willingness, what it brings to me is how can I get right size when I really start to see myself not as being, you know, the worst worst person or the most, um, the person that has the most defects person that's defective, and yet I'm not, you know, like the, the top of the barrel. And I think that there's a lot to that, um, to the surrender in that. And there was so many beautiful shares already. Um, and I'm so grateful that there were so many people that really, uh, starting with the first share, you know, really said so much. Uh, it, just this particular uh, paragraph has had such meaning for me. But I think as I as I want God and as I say, you know, I can't do this. I can't do any of my life, let alone um, when I really say that I, uh, I don't have this power to, to walk through life in, in a healthy way without compulsion with everything. God does come in and shows God's self to me in every way when I open my eyes and I allow that to happen. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. We're going to move on. And Santa H., could you read for us, please? Santa, star one to unmute, please. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you, Monica. Thank you so much for your service this morning. And what a pleasure. Thank you, Leah, for me having an opportunity to read this section. Wow. Uh, my name is Santa H. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater for today from calling in from New Jersey. At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seems wise, for I show signs of the, the variant in them. 
Therefore, I humbly offer myself to God. And I then understood him to do with me as he would. I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that of myself, I was nothing. And that without him, I was lost. I ruthlessly placed faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away, root and branch. I have not had a drink since. Okay, let me set my timer here. Um, all right. Wow. Well, I'm going to share on the first paragraph. Some things came to me. I was, I'm was i so grateful to be to have the opportunity to share this. It's when I knew I was going to be the reader this morning. I, I did read ahead of time, and I sat with my higher self, self and higher self sat, and we said, okay, higher self, what do you want me to share on to this morning if I am asked to be the reader? And usually my ego wants me to wait to the end to comment in the second hour, but I'm put up to the up to the plate this morning, thank you to my higher power. But anyway, the first paragraph, um, at the hospital, I separated from alcohol for the last time. I'm so grateful to be reading this because I know when I went through this process, and I'm speaking for myself, my humble experience is that as I was reading this, I am, I'm like, how many times is Bill going to take step one and step two? You know, and what is this, what is, what is this all about? But it was my understanding for me today that, this is where he actually takes step one. Prior to that, he was, it was a process that got him to this point. So at the hospital, he was by himself. There was no sponsor around. It was just him and his higher power. And he was granted the gift of, of desperation. He separated from his alcohol, like alcohol for the last time, and he was ready to do these action steps. And I'm just going to share with you what I've written my higher power share with me this morning as I was thinking of what to say because I was nervous. So this is what I wrote. This is what came to me to share with you all. Hopefully it will be helpful to somebody. It is said that when a student is ready, the teacher will appear. But I have to begin to move towards what it is I want, making use of what I have right now, everything around me there is to help me to get to the next step. Okay, this is where I'm at, step one going into step two, and step three, rather. There is no automatic graduation. I cannot mumble mystery words like I am at step two or stay step one prayers and step two prayers and expect the force, the God force, to respond. It will not. But moving towards it and accepting responsibility for my life, I complete the next step. The I accepted the invitation to change the way I live and to see the life that I was living change as I continued moving forward in the work. I complete, I complete the next step, and that's moving on to step three. And I began to see, I began to do so by examining thoughts and ideas um, that were inconsistent with the God force within me, and that's moving on to step four. I completed the next step. And so this is what I do, and this is what Bill seemed to have done here. He keep moving forward in the steps, but it's a two-way street here. My, my higher power is not going to force anything on me. I have to do the work. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Santa. And we are only going to have time for maybe two shares. So. Okay. Well, 
Melissa C. I heard Chelsea and Melissa C. Okay, Chelsea, you're up. Thank you, Monica, and thanks for your continued service. I'm Chelsea. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. And um, I want to speak to the there I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. Um, This information now, as I look back to in reflection of my process, is um, actually quite inviting. I used to find it rather daunting. But once I really started doing the work and also hearing um, that I had my own choice to choose what my conception would be, then I didn't have to know anything about it. I didn't have to have it defined and that my own interpretation was valid, and that was enough for me to move forward with the rest of the work. Because as was shared by Kim earlier, it's as a result of doing these steps that we have any kind of relationship with power, because that's what the whole idea is. Lack of power is my dilemma, not lack of religion, not lack of going to church or any of these other things. That's not my issue. My issue is is that I am totally have no defense against continuing to harm myself and do the things to myself in life that I've been doing because I have a problem living. And as a result, my life is unmanageable from trying to micromanage my ineptness, my ineptitude, and my higher consciousness that I end up being able to tap into is already within me. It says deep down inside that it's there. In the last analysis, once I get done digging around, I will be able to have a relationship with power. So the 12 steps for me are a framework that anybody can use. Anybody can use it. And we don't even have to understand why or how it works. We just have to find that as we apply the steps to our lives and see the change, that the change is good and we can repeat the behavior one day at a time. These are personal programs that do not have anything to do with any dogmas or any religions, and I'm grateful for that because if it were the other way around, I would be without any help. When I'm doing the work, if somebody is working, telling me as someone who has not had to stop being agnostic, I am agnostic. I do not know. I am without knowledge. But it's allowing me to have my own experience with the material and not trying to force me to convert me into something that's not going to happen, I can walk through this process. I don't have to believe in any faith fables or any stories or anything like that. I'm born without all of that. When I came into this world, I was of perfect whatever it is that designs us. The calamities of the world inside me and outside me caused me to have all the different problems. And by me trying to wrest satisfaction out of life on my own power, I've made a mess of things. So I'm really grateful today to read. And I'm grateful for the third step for when I do humbly offer myself because the third step lets me know that I don't even have to say what the third step prayer is. It's optional. The wording was, of course, quite optional so long as we expressed the idea, voicing it without reservation. The total willingness and the total commitment to follow the rest of the process so that I can get on with the process of living the way that my divine director designed me to be in the first place. And with that, I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Chelsea. And Melissa, I'm sorry, we have run out of time this morning. Uh, Maybe you can share in the next hour that will be proceeding here. And thank you to everyone who has shared.
Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Duel, can you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Good morning. This is Duel, Recover Compulsive Overeater from New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you unto them. Pass.